title this morning, Nothing Just Happens. We'll go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 20. 2 Kings chapter 7, going to be in verse 1, all the way to 20. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we see, we will enter into the city. Then the famine is in the city. And we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come unto the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we'll be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, that are, which are left in the city. Behold, there is all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, there are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. 
They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a circle, and two measures of barley for a circle, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he lived to have the charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. As the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. The Lord blessed the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. I meant, not 8. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There is nothing like a happenstance in the realm of the spirit. There is nothing called sheer luck. People talk about luck. We don't believe in luck. There is no room for luck in the Bible. And the Bible is our constitution. It is our manual. It is the book by which we live our lives. Every major event you see in the natural, whether it's a breakthrough or a disaster of some sort, uh, maybe what they call a missile, has a spiritual undertone. Whether it's for good or for bad, whether it's a huge landmark success or an event that has destroyed many lives and has broken the hearts of other people, there is always a spiritual undertone. This message this morning is a call to Christians all over the world, not just in the expression house, but all over the world, to wake up out of our passivity and lock hands with the Almighty God to advance the frontiers of his kingdom here on earth. A building that is abandoned to take care of itself will soon face dilapidation. A life that is left to be passive and docile. A life of a Christian who does not take action. Who does not take the word of God from the realm of just hearing it to the point of doing it. To see the effect will remain on the same spot and over time will begin to decline. How do you expect your life to make meaning and to leave an indelible footprint on the sands of time? 
on the platform of passivity and docility. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Life does not answer to people that are passive. The future does not belong to those who are docile. The future belongs to people, God's children, who take action. The people that believe that nothing just happens. In life, some people lock hands with God and make things happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 tells us that we are co-laborers with God. We are God's building. There are certain people who choose to not watch things happen, but they choose to make things happen with the help of God. They make things happen. They are the movers and the shakers of the society. They are the movers and the shakers of their own destiny. These are people that refuse to be on the spot. There are others who watch helplessly as things happen. They just watch as events unfold. These are the people whose life mantra is kill Sarah, Sarah. They say whatever will be, will be. So it doesn't matter whatever steps I take. Let me just be there and just be watching as things happen, as events unfold. And I tell you, many, many of them watch life pass them by. That's why it is often said that the richest place in the world is the cemetery. The richest place is the graveyard. Why is it the richest place? Because buried in that place are many songs that were never released, many albums that never saw the light of day, many architectural designs that never saw the light of day, many playlets and films and, and movies that were never acted, many designs in terms of fashion that never saw the light of day, many, many great inventions that never happened. People went to their grave with their talent, went to their grave with their potential, the potential that could change their world, first of all, and then change the world. But they never happened because the people chose to live a passive life. They just allowed life to pass them by. We have yet another category of people because there are three of them. The third category of people are those who criticize those who are making things happen and mock them. They criticize them and they mock them. They don't join forces with them to make things happen. So if you're someone that makes things happen, expect the Sambalats and the Tobias of this life. In, in, in this life, in this world, there are some people called Sambalat and Tobias. You find them in Nehemiah chapter 4. We don't have time to read that this morning because that's not really my focus. From verse 1 to 9. Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which was in ruins. The wall had broken down, had been destroyed by the enemies, had been burned to ashes. And Nehemiah thought, look, the wall of our city, which represents and symbolizes our security, should not break down like this. We should arise and build. And he arose and got, an, uh, got a group of people to, to build with him. But then there was this man called Sambala. I think he was the governor of Samaria at the time. And his friend Tobiah. And they were mocking Nehemiah and his people, they mocked them, but they didn't stop at mocking them. They, in fact, when they took a step further to resist them and to fight them. But Nehemiah was a smart man. One, he was armed with prayer. And number two, he gave instructions to all the people that were building with him. He said, as you build with one hand, carry your weapon of warfare in the other hand. And I think Christians all over the world should wake up to this. We only, sometimes we pray, yeah, but we don't listen to instructions. And for those of us that listen to instructions, we don't carry those instructions out. 
So praying in the Holy Ghost alone will not change your life. Even though it has the tendency to change your life, you need to listen for instructions and carry out whatever God says to you. That is what brings the testimony. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, the Lord said, Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call upon me and listen to me. Let me answer you. Some of us call upon God, but we don't give him the opportunity to answer us. We just call and then we walk away. And so life remains the same as though we never prayed. There is no force that is as potent as the one generated in the place of prayer. But listen to me. You must be a people that take corresponding action. We must be a people that take corresponding action. Whatever instruction God gives, go ahead and run that instruction. James chapter 2, I believe, and verse 17 says, Faith without works, that is, without corresponding action, is dead. Are you with me, church? Back to our text. I don't want to say this morning that the choice is yours. Whether you want to be someone that makes things happen, or you want to belong to the second category of those who watch things happen, or you want to belong to the category of those who criticize others who are making things happen. The choice is yours this morning. The situation in Samaria, which we read as our main text, 2 Kings chapter 7, was a very terrible situation. It was more than horrible, it was hopeless. Women were already boiling their children to eat as they could not afford the head of a jackal, the head of an ass. It was so expensive, the Bible describes it that they were selling it for 80 pieces, first call, 80 pieces of silver. The, the fourth part of dove's dung, in the literal meaning, it, it sounds like you see a dove flying and then it, it pulls and then they divide it into four and then no. But really, the Bible scholars have explained that what the Bible describes as dove's dung here was actually a kind of vegetable. But it was wild. It was a wild vegetable that nobody ordinarily would want to eat. If things were okay, it wasn't something that anybody would consider as delicacy. Just like, for example, we have Gary. Gary is not wild. Gary is fine. Gary is okay. But ordinarily, uh, when you go to an event, even though things are changing now, I mean, you don't want to serve Gary at your event. You want to have the main course. You want to have jollof rice and fried rice and, you know, the, the main things that people eat, Chinese and the rest of them. Now, when people are done eating all of that, and now as, as an, uh, what do you call it now? We can't call it a side. But maybe it goes for a side. People now serve Gary, and, but with milk and, and sugar and ice block and all of that and fried fish by the side. But ordinarily, Gary is not in the southwest who would describe as delicacy. I mean, if I'm celebrating my birthday, for example, and I invite everybody to come to my party, and all you see there is Gary, you are going to have a, a, a second thought. If Pastor knew that he didn't have money, why did he invite us? What kind of situation is he? I have Gary at home now. It's what everybody can, can afford ordinarily. This dog's tongue was a wild vegetable. Nobody even liked it. Nobody wanted to eat it. But because there was no choice, the, the fourth part of it was so expensive that many of the people in the land of Samaria could not afford. Why? Because Samaria had been besieged by an enemy host. The enemy host was led by the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, a very wicked king. He came against the land of Samaria, which was, uh, the, the, at the time, the capital city of, of Israel. And so, every commercial activity that was supposed to take place could not take place. 
It's like when you say the government shuts the border, closes the land border. And in any country where that is done, you know it's going to affect the commerce of the country. Because largely, people deal in exports and imports. Importation and exportation is part of the economy. You know, but um, where the government decides that we're going to shut the border, definitely to tell on the economy. Sometimes, don't let us go into politics now, because uh, I can start talking about Nigeria. I don't want to talk about Nigeria. Nigeria is blessed. Amen? Let's just remember Nigeria in our prayers. Let us not see the reality of what is going on. Let us see the reality of the word of God. Let's speak that. That, that way we'll keep our sanity and then uh, we'll open the portals of blessing. So that no matter what goes on around us, God's children are still well funded and taken care of. Can I have an amen to that? All right. In, in Samaria at the time, cannibalism had set in for sustenance. Hopelessness was the order of the day from the king's palace to the common man's residence on the streets. This grievous famine was occasioned by the fact that Samaria had been heavily surrounded by the Syrian forces too strong for them. David cried out in Psalm 18 verse 17. He, said, he was talking to God, actually he was giving thanks. He said, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me for they were too strong for me. This Syrian army was too strong for Samaria at the time. And let me tell you what happened. The king got so angry that he was going to cut off the head of Elisha, the man of God. Why would he do that? He thought Elisha was the problem. Why? <laughs> because he thought that when he had had the opportunity of destroying and killing these troops who had come against Samaria before that time, and you find this in the, the previous chapter, 2 Kings chapter 6, we don't have time to read all of that. When you get to please read. He had the opportunity to kill them. He had the opportunity to completely wipe them out. Elisha, the man of God, said to him, don't kill them. He said, rather feed them and send them back to their, to their master. And they had the opportunity to go and recoup. And then they gathered again. And then they came back and then they besieged the city. <laughs> uh, it was Elisha who said to him, don't kill them, but rather feed them. So now these enemies were now maybe a thousand times more wicked under King ben Haddad. And they had gone to re-strategize, and they were ready to completely annihilate him and the entire Samaria. Um, you see that in Second Kings chapter one, uh, chapter six, from verse one to end. So this man, the king of Israel, this time the king of Samaria, was so livid with rage. He was so livid. He became so angry. He was going to fight the wrong person. He was going to fight the man of God, the same man whom he had reverenced and addressed as my father. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 21, only 10 verses later, <laughs> he called him by his name. He said, God do so to me and more if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, stands on his shoulders today. Now that's to let you know how people can, how honor can disappear when people really get angry with you, when they are upset. But nonetheless, the Lord was with Elisha. And the Lord showed him what the king was up to and gave him a prophetic word which will turn the situation around. That's the backdrop to where we are right now. We read chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7. But if you want to understand the entire story, you need to take it from chapter 6, from verse 1. So these guys, you know, gather themselves together. And please make sure, look around, look out for your neighbor. If anybody's sleeping, you can pinch them so that they can, their eyes can be open. Now, they gather themselves and... Listen, every time Ben-Hadad was going to attack Samaria, 
he discovered that his plan of attack, his modus operandi was revealed. So he called his army generals and said, are you guys okay? Will you tell me who is disclosing my secret to the king of Israel, the king of Samaria? And one of his army generals told him, sir, none of us is a fifth columnist here. None of us is snitching on you. None of us is a mole. The truth of the matter is that there is a prophet in Samaria. Every word you speak in your bedchamber, that prophet is the one that reveals it to the king of Samaria. So, he's the one we should go after. You are not, we are not your enemies, we are with you. So, Bernadette thought, okay, so there's a prophet in Israel, a prophet in Samaria. Let's go get him. And so, the next day, they went with their armies, their chariots and everything, and they surrounded the city. Early in the morning, one of the sons of the prophet woke up to go fetch water. And as he got out, he saw that they had been surrounded by terrorists, bandits, unknown gunmen, assassins, Boko Haram, Iswap. All of them surrounded them and said, oh man, <laughs> we don't have a chance here. He ran back to the house and he said to his master, and I've shared this a Bible study before. He said, alas, master, how shall we do? This is 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, he didn't say, what shall we do? He said, how shall we do? Meaning, how do we survive this? Where do we go from here? If you turn to the north, you find the soldiers there. The enemies are there. They pointed their guns. All of them pointed to the direction of Elisha's house. One man. A whole troop. They came against one man. And the man was probably in the kitchen. And when the, when, the, when the servant, when the son of the prophet ran inside and said, Master, how shall we do? He said, can you make me a cup of coffee here and get me some donuts? Master, I, I can't ask if you're all right, but how shall we do? In the middle of an imminent destruction. I mean, God forbid you wake up and then they said, terrorists are in your, on your street. Kidnappers, every one of them, you know, all the kind of people that we have in Nigeria now. It's not a time to go and eat donuts and, and have some coffee. It's a time to probably get on your phone and try to see who you're going to call to come and help you. It was a hopeless situation. But for Elisha, who knew his God? Daniel 11.32 says, but the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploit. Dan, uh, Elisha knew his God. He said, oh, come on, calm down. Let me tell your neighbor this morning, say, calm down. Elisha said, okay, say, say, say to them, say, chillax. So that's like the combination of relax and chill, right? Chill and relax. So that's chillax. Let me tell another name. I say chillax. Just take it easy. Some people's blood pressure this morning is very high. Oh, we're kidnapping everywhere in Nigeria. Come, tell another name. Say calm down. Elisa said to the guy, say calm down. He said, okay, I can't be coming down. No, they're all over the place. Come outside, come and see them. Elisa said, hey, the people that are with us are more than those who are with them. The guy looked at Elisha, looked at himself. Sir, the last time I checked, it's just the two of us here. Elisha said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. I thought the guy was blind. He wasn't blind. But the Bible says, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. So as you have physical eyes, you also have spiritual eyes. His spiritual eyes were shut. That was what Elisha prayed for God to open. Because the Bible said the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Second Kings 6, 17. Thank you, media. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw. And what did he see? 
Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. What the enemies brought were just normal horses and normal chariots. But the armies of God present were not just normal horses and normal chariots. They were horses and chariots of fire. Can I have an amen to that? And so when they advanced towards Elisha to come and arrest him, they just said a simple prayer. Lord, smack them with blindness. And all of that, all of the troop, all of them got blind. And Elisha led them to the city. He said, no, the man you are looking for is not here. Let me lead you to where he lives. And then he led them like, like, like fools. He just led them to the city. Handed them over to the king. And the king said, my father. This is verse 21. Shall I kill them? Shall I strike them? Elisha said, don't do that. The Lord has delivered them into your hands already. Okay? What you need to do is to feed them. Make a feast for a party. Feed them. Let them have some water to drink. And send them back to their master. The Lord wins battles without fighting, without firing a bullet. And so he fed those guys. Now, if you were one of them, would you ever want to come back to that kind of city? You saw the man of God, you saw his house, all of a sudden you became blind. And then he led you and fed you. Your enemy fed you, he fed you fast. The Bible says when they left that place, they didn't come back again to Samaria. But you know, the devil is like the, the goat of the beans market. The goat of the beans market is very, very stubborn. When you beat him and you chase him away, he will go. But he's going to come back after some time. He's always looking. When you sell bread or sell beans, you have to keep those things because goats like to eat them. So you have to keep an eye. You have to keep an eye on it, on what you are selling. Because if you mistakenly move away from your goods, the goat will come and feed on what you are selling. The devil is like that. When you deal with him, when you rebuke him, when you cast him out, he will go. <laughs> Even unclean spirits, they will go. But after a time, they will come back. So that means you have to live ready. You have to be alert. There is no time to go to bed and say, well, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm not dealing with enemies anymore. I'm fine. Hey, my friend, wake up and stay alert. Let me tell you, neighbor says, stay alert. Because the enemy we're dealing with is a full-time devil. And he's sold and he's very stubborn. I keep wondering, you know, sometimes I, on a lighter note, I ask people, why is ECU so expensive? And someone said to me, I think it's because of the stubbornness in the head of the goat. That stubbornness is expensive. Very, very The devil is like that. Very stubborn. And if you are going to overcome him perpetually and keep him at bay, you must be more than ten times stubborn than the devil. You must be stubborn yourself. You must resist sickness and disease. You must hate it with the holy passion. Sickness and disease are not messengers of God. Oh, the Lord put this sickness on my body because he wanted to humble me. No, sir. They are not instruments of God. You must hate poverty and lack because Jesus has paid for these things. You must hate oppression. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. If God was the oppressor, Jesus would not, not have been able to heal them. If his father was the one that oppressed them, he would not have been able to undo what his father had done. So you must understand that very clearly. When Haddad, after that miracle that happened, that his men got, I mean, lost their sight, and his men were fed, and his men were sent back to him, 
I should have sent him a, a strong signal. You don't mess with Samaria. You don't mess with Israel. These are the people of God. But you see, because of the evil spirit in him, after a while he thought, ah, maybe they have relaxed. Let me go back again and attack. And that's the way the devil is. Sometimes he looks at you, maybe you've, you've relaxed your confession, you've relaxed your Bible study, you've relaxed your prayer time. And you know when money comes, we, we, we all relax, especially when money comes. When you're making more money than ever before. When your current salary becomes your tithe. Current salary is maybe 35000 but then all of a sudden God promotes you and then it becomes your tithe. That means your, 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 monthly, your monthly pay is now like 350000 That's when you think, oh, I don't need to go to Bible study today. I have more than enough money to buy data. Let me stream online. Oh, let me watch. Oh, pastor, come on, preach it. Uh, today, I don't need to go for Riyasa. Let me send some money to those who are there to have some refreshments. After all, if you can't go, your money can go for you. You see, problem is starting right there. Oh, Lord, oh, I feel pain all over my body. Oh, I can't wake up to pray today, Lord. Oh, I just want to thank you. I don't, I don't want to pray. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for blessing me. Oh, thank you, Lord. You can manage that. Amen. Praise God. When we are getting comfortable, when all the conveniences are showing up, you know, we all have the tendency to begin to gradually backslide. And the devil waits for such times to strike. And you need to be careful. Whether money increases or not, whether your popularity increases or not, whether fame increases or not, whether jobs increase or not, you must be alert, you must be on your guard because your enemy, the adversary, is walking like a roaring lion. It's not a roaring lion, but walks about like a roaring lion seeking somebody whom he may devour. He can't devour everybody, but he looks for the one that is weak that he may devour. I want you to note certain things from this encounter from the account of second kings chapter six and the account of seven second kings chapter seven i want to make five points five points to buttress the fact that nothing just happens in life that things are already premeditated prearranged precalculated and concluded in the realm of the spirit before you begin to see them in the physical people die in the realm of the spirit before they die in the physical when people get healed, it's because they've received healing already in their spirit. And then over time, it begins to manifest in their body. It's from the spirit first, through the soul, and then to the body. As for God, he doesn't have a problem with us. In Second, uh, in third John, verse 2, he already said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. All right? So, uh, for God, things have to be settled in that realm, first of all. And then over time, it shows in this realm. Nothing just happens. Oh, the man just died. No! I just got promoted. I don't know what happened. Something happened. I want to help you to be more proactive with your life. Going to church doesn't make us docile. Like some people say, religion is the opium of the weak-minded. No! No! When we are close to God, in fact, it makes us action people. People that take action. We're not docile. We're not passive. Just because we pray. Just because we read the Bible. No, we're not stupid people. In fact, we should be ten times better than the children of this world. Mentally alert, mentally productive, and then we take physical corresponding action so that we can really have a proof of our faith. Whatever trade you belong to, whatever profession you belong to, you should be, you should be the best in that profession because you're a Christian. You have the Holy Spirit, the believer's advantage. You have him on the inside of you. You should have insights, concepts, and ideas. 
You have the fire of the Holy Ghost in your bones. But what are you doing with it? Number one, I want us to learn five things from this story. Number one, cultivate intimacy with God, which will open up your spiritual ears to hear and your eyes to see. Number one, cultivate intimacy with God. Cultivate intimacy with God, which will open up your spiritual ears to hear and your eyes to see. And I'm talking about your spiritual eyes to see. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, John the Beloved, the writer of the book of Revelation, said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard. Unless you are in the spirit, you don't hear. You don't hear in the flesh. God is not flesh. God is a spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24. It says God is a spirit and the people that must worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's a spirit-spirit communication. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, it says, Likewise, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it's a spirit-spirit communication. You want to hear from God? You must be in the Spirit. You must be in the Spirit. That's why we advocate, we preachers, who know what we are doing. We advocate that you spend less and less time in the entertainment of this world and watching TV and social media and all of this rubbish that you feed yourself with and spend more time in the presence of God. Don't feed yourself with all the garbage and the next thing you hear is, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord comes to those who are prepared for what the Lord is singing. And the Lord wants to speak, and he speaks every day. Psalm 19 and verse 2 says, Day unto day, uttereth speech, night unto night, showeth knowledge. He said, there is no voice, no language, where their voice is not heard. There is no language, no tongue, where their voice is not heard. He said, day unto day, uttereth speech, night unto night, showeth knowledge. Day unto day, uttereth speech, night unto night, showeth knowledge. But are we hearing? Like there are radio signals in this house this morning, radio waves in this room, but unless you have the appropriate equipment and you tune it to the appropriate frequency, you won't pick any radio station. In this room this morning, you have Splash FM, you have Fresh FM, you have Amuludu FM, whatever FM we have in your state or in Ibadan, you have it in this room, present. The waves are here. The waves are here. But you have the equipment. Okay, you have the equipment, but are you tuned? Is your equipment tuned to the right frequency? That's the way we operate as spirits. Is your spirit man attuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Elisha was so in the spirit, the Lord showed him as the man, the king was coming to kill him. The king got so frustrated. In chapter 6, the enemies came. Thank God you, it was you that brought them to me. And I wanted to kill them. But you didn't allow me to kill them. Now the enemies, you asked me to feed them. I fed them. You asked me to set them free. I set them free. Now they have become stronger. And they have besieged the entire country. And we're in trouble now. So much trouble, there was no commerce anymore. So much trouble, nobody was doing buying and selling because nobody could import rice. They said, let's grow rice. We are growing local rice. And even local rice now is as expensive as the foreign rice. And it's not, the supply is not met, matching up with demand. What kind of country are we in? The man got so angry, he said, I'm going to kill Elisha. Because he thought Elisha was the problem. And as he was saying it, God was revealing to, to, revealing to Elisha. Elisha sat in his house. He was with the elders of the land. They were talking. 
and he said to them, he said, this son, this son of, this son of Belial is coming to cut off my head. He's coming for my head. He was referring to the king. The king also had disrespected him. He said, honestly, the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, the man he called his father. Ten verses after, respect gone, honor gone. He called him by his name. He said, I will cut off his head. And the Lord revealed that to Elisha. Because Elisha, even though he was in the midst of people, yet was in the spirit. So you can be in the midst of people and be in the spirit. He didn't just hear what the spirit said. He saw that it was coming. Number two, he saw that he would send his messenger first. But he will be behind the messenger. And he said to the elders that were with him. He said, the moment the messenger knocks the door, he said, hold him fast. Because the sound of the legs of his master are behind him. Kai, 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 accurate prophecy. Elisha was not one of the commercial prophets of our days. Who have no job. All they do is get on social media and say, Morocco will win Burkina Faso 2-0. And none of them comes to pass. And I keep wondering, when has our prophecy been reduced to football, uh, what do you call it, forecasts? If you want to play pool, play, play pool. If you want to play bet Niger, play bet whatever. Stop using the pulpit for that. Stop using the name of the Lord for that. Blind prophets, they are. Elisha saw very clearly. He said, when that guy knocks the door, hold him fast. Don't let him come in. Because his master is behind him. And when, in no time, the Bible says he was talking to them, the man knocked the door. The messenger of the king. And the king came in behind him. And the moment they came in, and they said, well, this evil is of the Lord. Shall I wait for the Lord anymore? Well, is there anything good in waiting for the Lord? It was the Lord that said we shouldn't kill the enemies. Now the enemies want to kill us. The king got so mad because two women fought. Why were they fighting? They, they bowed. Two of them, you know, had uh, an agreement. Let's boil my son. Let's boil your son. We're going to eat your son tonight. Tomorrow we boil my son. We're going to eat him because there was no food. And they killed this woman's son. They boiled him. They ate him. The next day, the other woman hid her own son. And trouble started. Wahala. You know what I mean? With the R. Wahala. The two of them started fighting. And this other woman said, no, I'm not going to give him my son. I carried him for nine months. No, did I carry him for three months? Well, that, that's your problem. But we've eaten your son. Now, should things get so bad that human beings are eating human beings? That's to let you know the degree of famine in the land. This was real famine. The Nigeria never got to that point. Where people's children become their targets. Where children and parents begin to look at one another. <laughs> As the father is targeting the son, son to say, Oh no, this is a walk generation. Oh, stay woke. Oh. One brother's connive and say, We are eating mommy. There's no, there's no garlic tonight. Mommy, we are eating. It got that bad. It was, a, it was a grievous famine in the land. But in the midst of that, Elisha was still in the spirit. So no matter how. It gets in Nigeria. Still stay in the spirit. It's your gateway. It's your highway to ride out of this nonsense. Don't wait for the Nigerian government. They have no clue. No, no, no. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, don't worry. It's too much time. The man is a strategist. Strategy has failed. 
windows in heaven, might, might, this thing be, might is a modal auxiliary verb, amongst other things, that shows remote possibility. When a friend tells you, I might show up at your birthday party. That is to say, don't expect me. I might. They might even be stronger than that. I might. I just might. I mean, imagine reading the Bible and the Lord says, if you obey me and follow my instructions, I might bless you. I don't ever want to follow a God like that. Can I have an amen? I like the God that says, I shall bless you. I will bless you. I will promote you. Yeah, I like that. But I, I, I might bless you. I might. I, I don't owe you anything. I, I mean, it depends on my mood. You mess up with me, I throw you in hell. I might save you. Confess Jesus as your Lord and save you all you like. I might save you. Then we're all in soup. Are you with me, church? This guy said, uh, might this thing, Elisha, you are suffering from acute hypermetropia. And this hypermetropia is actually not affecting your eyes, it's affecting your brain. There's a part of the brain called hypothalamus. Elisha, you, you have lost touch with reality. Because the reality on ground is that there is a famine in the land. There is nothing in the national treasury. Zero. And you are saying that tomorrow. You didn't say next week. You said tomorrow. Ah, Elisha. And now this time. That's like 24 hours. It's like me telling you. Tomorrow about this time. Go to Mokola Market. A Congo of rice shall be sold for 100 naira. I said it's like me telling you. I didn't prophesy. <laughs> I mean, if a Congo of rice is sold for a hundred dollars, would anybody beg anybody? I tell you, even the beggars will look at this. I beg her out. <laughs> they say beggars have no choice. Beggars will have a choice this time. Because everybody could afford that. Everybody could afford a shekel, a measure of fine flour. One derika of fine flour or one Congo of fine flour ready to be consumed. One shekel. Barley is now even cheaper that you can use to make a mala, make anything, bake into bread. Barley, two measures, two full measures of barley for a shekel. When, as at the time, we are buying the head of an ass. Oh, oh for crying aloud, it's the head of an ass, the head of a donkey. That's not delicacy. And so that time they were buying it for 80 pieces of silver and only the rich could afford it. And the last time was not saying that the normal food, good food, good food will be sold for cheap. Oh no. I can't, I can't believe that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Elisha, you lie. You lie. Shut. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? He electronic He just redefined the name of the man of God. But Elisha had no chill. Elisha was not like Elijah. Elisha carried double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was still a little bit present with some people. Ahab was still, I mean, Jezebel chased him and all of that. Elisha. I'd like to see him when we get to heaven. He had no chill. He was walking in one place and children were singing. They were making jest of him because he was born there. He said, Bob, my girl, Bob, my girl, in Yoruba Bible. He says, I want my dinner on Kornikwe. Akari, go kill her. Akari, go kill her. He 
said me. He looked at them. Just look. A lion came from the jungle and consumed all the children. Elijah walked away. Yeah, no chill. You better not offend somebody that, has, that carries the mantle of Elijah. <laughs> somebody said to me, he said, you know why I don't offend pastors? I said, why? He said, I was in England when he was telling me this. He said, God may not be answering the prayer of a pastor again. <laughs> yeah, but the day a pastor curses somebody, <laughs> that curse will still. His prayer, God may say, no, I'm not answering. But if he curses, Elisha gave it to this man. Immediately. Immediately said this nonsense concerning the word of God. This is a thus saith the Lord. I am not a commercial prophet. I, if I don't hear, I don't speak. I just heard from the throne and I released it. And you are contending the word of God, the prophetic utterance. Elisha just said to him, he gave him instant judgment. He said, And he said, Behold, thou, he said with behold, say, Look and consider. Thou shalt see it with thine eyes, I will allow you to see it. But shall not eat thereof. And the judgment was sealed, delivered, straight up in the realm of the spirits. Elisha gave him his funeral service right there. Right there. But the man was still living, he was still alive. He still laughed at Elisha. He still went to him that day and told his wife, can you imagine that idiot called Elisha? How can you say that tomorrow about this? 24 hours. How are you going to do that? You're going to rob the bank? There's no bank to rob. Even though the banks are broke now, you kill on the ATM, you don't have money. He went on and on and on. <laughs> but it happened to him according to the words of Elisha. Are you with me, church? Cultivate. Intimacy with God. Intimacy is key. So that you can see clearly what is going to come and you can hear what the Spirit is saying. It's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that in John 16, 13. Can I have that very quickly? And we need to move very fast now. And then I will show you 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. Media, please, you need to help with this. John 16, 13. Say, how be it when the Spirit of the truth is come? He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you. Listen to me, church. He doesn't just tell you what to come. He shows you. Like you're watching a movie. He can show you something that is about to happen. Elisha saw the king coming for his head. But met him with the word of the Lord. First Corinthians 2, from verse 9. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. He said, I'll be it. Now go quickly, verse 10 now. Verse 10, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us. How? Come on, shout it. How? Not, 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 not by any other means, but by his spirit. For the spirit searched how many things? How many things? How many things are all things? All. All is all. All includes every. Every is part of all. Such is all things. Yea, the deep things of God. Next verse. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man. You don't know the things of God but the spirit of God. So it is the spirit of God to show you and to tell you the things of God. 
Verse 12, and we'll stop there quickly so I can go to the next point. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know, we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now we have received the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. Why? So that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Number one, cultivate intimacy with God. That will open up your spiritual eyes to see and your spiritual ears to hear. Number two, honor God's ministers. Dishonor is to your disadvantage. Dishonor is to your disadvantage. God said in Malachi 4, one of the verses there says, If I were your father, then where is my honor? Where is my honor? <laughs> Dishonor is to your disadvantage. Honor God's ministers. You saw the error of that senator? He refused to honor Elisha. Over familiarity with the anointing breeds contempt. Shabby is pastor. I know him is my younger brother. Your pastor might be your younger brother. Something has separated him from you, the anointing. He might be your classmate. Something has separated him from you, the anointing. The anointing has separated him into his office. Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I've called them. The anointing makes a difference. You're also anointed, but there's an anointing for that office. And you know one thing about God? Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals it to his servant, the prophet. The Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophet. Forget this. There are people that listen to God and they hear God clear, clean, clear, clean and clear. It's impossible. Hosea 12, 13 says, For by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt and by a prophet was he preserved. It was by a prophet. He brought them out of bondage by a prophet. Oh, no. Oh, God, I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. I have the spirit of God in me. Nobody has a greater spirit of God than I have the spirit. He's all right. Continue your rascality by a prophet. He brought out Israel out of Egypt. That's why many Christians today are still in captivity. They lack honor. There's no honor culture in the church. No honor, especially in the Pentecostal circles. In Orthodox churches, sometimes I go to my mother-in-law's church, Anglican. Our pastor, when we, if something happened and then our pastor had to come to visit my mother-in-law. She was almost on her knees. Over 70. The man is in his 50s. Early 50s. But that's my pastor. On her knees to welcome my pastor. What in Pentecost? I said, Afa, 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 how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Afa. The anointing you despise won't work for you. The dishonor is to your disadvantage. That was the error of this man. He saw Elisha as just an ordinary man say, what do you mean? If the law were to make windows in heaven, would my destiny be? Dishonor cut him off. God has placed prophets in our lives for our good. I know my own prophet. He has declared that this year is the year of dominion. And he has said we need to pray some more. I follow him back to back, bumper to bumper. He said, look, we are going to be praying every Friday, two hours, 5.30 to 7.30. I said, I will tell the youth, if they like, let them come. If they like, let them not come. But me, I will be there. In addition to that, sir, me, I'm declaring every Monday, 3 to 5. And I come here. I've not died. I've prayed every Monday in the last 4 or 5 weeks. 
including Christmas Day, sir, including New Year's Day. I don't know the difference. Because my prophets have said, this is the direction we are going. I follow him. I'm not a bastard gathering nonsense on the internet. You listen to this one, listen. You are confused. You will be confused. You listen to this apostle. After that, I won't go to this apostle. After that, he said, you, you know, you have to gather. What are you gathering? The little word you are given here, have you maximized it? Spiritual constipation is worrying some of you. It is why Christians are not growing in Nigeria. We are only growing with head knowledge. Uh, you know, that word is doctor. No, no, no. Yeah. I can explain the Greek of doctor. Yeah. What, has it, what has it produced in your life? By their fruit, you shall know them. It's not by their head knowledge. Nigeria is becoming more and more religious, but people are not growing spiritually. There's a difference between swelling and growing. Second Chronicles 2020. Jehoshaphat cried out early in the morning in the wilderness of Tekoa as they went to battle. He said, Hear me, O Israel. <laughs> he said, Believe the Lord your God. So shall you be established. That is important. But number two, believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. There are many established Christians today who are not prospering. They are established because they believe in the Lord their God. But they don't believe his prophets, so they don't prosper. If you believe that coming to prayer meeting 3 to 5 will change your life, will you come? You will, if you believe. Eh, it will change my life, I go there. People, they act in the direction of their belief. Oh, come tomorrow, you have 10 millionaire. Every participant, 10 millionaire each. What? You believe? You cut off class. Lecturer, I will see you. I will even say to you. Not because there's no physical cash. And probably God is not there. I'm hitting you below the belt. You need, it's good for your health now. Good for your health. Second, sorry, First Timothy 5.17. And get ready to give that to me in KJV, NIV, NLT, and Amplified Classic. First Timothy 5.17. In the KJV, it says, count them worthy of double honor. The elders that rule well, who is on the system? Or is the, does the system need to be born again? I've already gone to the future. Don't, don't stay in the past. First Timothy 5.17. I have limited time now, so you need to be, please be on the same pace with me. Be on the same pace with me, please. He said, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Whatever you call honor, whoever you give honor to, it says here, your pastors, your leaders, count them worthy of double of that. Double honor. Each time the honor code is broken, it comes with consequences. No pastor should be involved in cursing anybody. Those who dishonor you, what will deal with them is already inside them. And you need to listen to this. Don't join people on social media to be dragging men of God. Uh, he did something. Were you there? Even if you were there, pray for him. Don't join them. I mean genuine men of God. I'm not talking about these scammers who call themselves men of God. Don't join them. This generation is very disrespectful and dishonorable. Pastors have become endangered species in our generation. It has got to a point that if you, if you introduce yourself as pastor, oh, 
Red alerts. So this is just go by your name. JJ, if you don't want to be dragged. Give that scripture to me in NIV. First Timothy 5.17. First Timothy 5.17. NIV. Let's read everybody. The others who direct the affairs of the church. Well, are worthy of what? Worthy of what? Say it out loud. Worthy of what? Double honor. It's not any man trying to put himself or herself on the church, imposing yourself as, you know, a spiritual giant. No, no, no. This is what the Bible says. Don't go to the other church and see a pastor or an elder carrying something and you walk past them. Help them. Assist them. I looked at one young man some time ago. I was carrying something very heavy. Just walked away. A few minutes after I came, I said, ah, pastor, so I'm, I'm doing a program. I want you to come. I will come. I will school you later. Count them worthy of double honor. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. It's a lot of work. What do pastors do anyway? Is it, what do they do? Give that scripture to me in NLT, New Living Translation. Let's read everybody. One, two, go. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. This one included paid. <laughs> Can you see? He said, I'm paid well. He didn't just say paid them. He said paid well. Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. So this culture of, it's my birthday. Pastor, where's my birthday gift? Let it die today. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because I want God to bless you. Your pastor can bless you. He can say, oh, it's your birthday. You told me. I got to know. Oh, okay. I send you 2,000. That 2,000 is worth more than 200,000. It's coming from the pastor. Take it and give thanks to God. Never let us have a culture. It's a culture in the Pentecostal setting where members are asking pastor for gifts. In the Bible, members bring gifts to pastor. He's already laboring all of his life on you. He prays for you whether you know it or not, whether you appreciate it or not. Sometimes that you escape danger is not your prayer. And they have the culture in the other church. How can you be doing that? If members of the church go to the pastors and harass them. They harass our pastors. No, 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 no. You're not in the same spot. You feel like that. You pack it things and give your pastor and then he prays for you and God opens up and you, be, you become a high flyer. My mother trained me. My mother, we were in CSC church. Every Sunday morning, as long as that woman lived and we're living together, every Sunday morning she pounded yam. This, our pastors pounded yam in a, in a clean plate. This is the, whatever you call it, the soup and the meat and everything packages them. And then I will be the one to carry. I will courier it from the house to the church. Our pastor was leaving the church. What do you call the vestry? Every Sunday morning. If that man was not sure of any other meal, he was sure of Sunday morning pounded yam. Coming from Iyaki. So I never grew up with the culture of, you know, asking my pastor. 
People tell pastor, you have to pay my house rent. You have to. Be... No, we can assist. We can help when there are issues. And I'm helping you not because um, I'm your pastor or whatever. I'm helping you because we are members of the family. And I feel your pain. In fact, if you don't tell me, and I sense that you have a need, and God has blessed me to meet that need, I will meet it. But don't turn that to my, to my job. Because it will keep you on the, on the spot. Because things don't just happen in the natural. They have a spiritual undertone. In the, in the days of the apostles, I mean, in, the, in the New Testament church, they were begging Paul and begging the apostles to receive the gifts, the money that they contributed. Please, take it. Paul said, you people are poor. He said, no, please, take it so that we can get out of poverty. He wrote that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, I, 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 he was writing to the church, uh, to the churches, and he said, I wish you, I, come on, can you give that to me now? Don't give me nothing just happened. 2 Corinthians 8, quickly from verse 1. One to three. Oh Lord have mercy. I'm gonna read my Bible. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He said, How oh, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. They were liberal, even though they were poor. They had nothing, yet they were liberal. Everybody has something. So to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us, begging us, with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift, the money, the gift is money, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. You should pay the bills of your pastor. That is how is one of the secrets of prosperous churches. Churches where people prosper. And I want you to prosper. Before you prosper, your soul has to prosper. Inside your soul is your mind. So you need to have a new mindset. Are you with me, church? My mother taught me this and the Holy Ghost taught me this. My wife and I, by the grace of God, because of what we went through last year, we couldn't give our gift, normal, our normal gift to the senior pastor, to the lead pastor. And we talked about it. It was a pain in our hearts. And I said to her, I said, don't worry. God will turn things around. We will still go on. It doesn't have to be Christmas Day. We can give him any day. And we will. And I don't give nonsense gift to my father. No, I don't. I'm not a bastard. I don't give cards. He doesn't eat cards. <laughs> oh, come on. God will bless you guys. Uh, some of you are doing well. Sincerely, some of you are really doing well. But I need to teach you this, to do better. I don't want to expect us to be a place where you know, we are struggling to raise money. For what now? We need 10 million to get a project done. All we need to do is announce. Just announce. And somebody say, Pastor, please don't announce again. That 10 million is done. Another person will sound and say, no, you can't, be, you can't be selfish. You can't be selfish. You give 10 million. I give another 10 million. In the name of Jesus. God knows. God sees my heart. When I swear blessings on you, I really want God to bless you. I really want you to do well. You see, because in the beginning of this church, some people wrote us off. They said, the church for Mokola people, they wear slippers to church. And truly, we were wearing slippers to church. Some of my boys then. 
today, some of them are so well placed, we are giving thanks to God. Now, it's one thing for them to remember the place where they're coming from. I'm taking my time. I shouldn't, I didn't want to spend this much time. But I'm taking this much time because I wanted to get this. And the trend is, <sighs> okay, let's not go there. Maybe that's for another time. Amplified classic, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Amplified classic, please. Give that to me quickly, quickly, quickly. I need to rush through the other point. I promise 11.30. And I want to hit that point. Amplified classic of 1 Timothy 5.17. Let's read together, everybody. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered doubly worthy of honor and of adequate financial support. Can you see that there? Especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching. For many of you, this won't be your last bus stop in terms of church, because you still go to another country. Carry this teaching with you. It opens doors everywhere. There's no respecter of any nation. It opens doors everywhere. It will pay your bills everywhere. Where others are suffering. Oh no, in this country nobody gives money. You'll be shocked. I was in England two years ago. They said, no, nobody gives money. Nobody gives anybody money here. Not even five pounds. Nobody. I sat in my house where I was with my, my, my family member, my, my auntie over there and her husband. Somebody brought 200 pounds. People brought money to me. I came back loaded with money. In a country where they say, oh, nobody gives money, nobody gives. I can't tell you the amount. That I, I, somebody, somebody blessed me and I, I counted like this. I, I counted. Not a church member. Not a, you know. Because if church members don't do, God will raise people outside and will do. And it's sad because the same goes for our lead pastor. Raises people here, they become, their head becomes too big when they become big men. And then they now start contributing to churches that didn't contribute to their spiritual growth. The one that groomed you. It's an old school place. You can't, you, know, you, can't, you can't deal with such people anymore. And that's why some people get to a point they don't go beyond that point. Whereas God, what God has for them originally is huge. Are you getting blessed this morning? Number three point. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Psalm 141 verse 3. Media please. Please. I beg you. Please. Flow with me this morning. Set a watch Oh Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Some of us need to pray this prayer. Lord, don't let my mouth kill me. It was the mouth of that man that killed him. Elisha gave a prophecy. What's your own? Whether it will come to pass or not, keep quiet. His mouth killed him. The king didn't talk. He thought he was smarter than the king. He spoke for the king. The king that did not talk did not die. Enjoy the abundance. He that talked. He did not only die. He saw the abundance but never tasted of it. The people killed him through stampede. The Milady is not in church this morning. I wanted to show her. Go to Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. It says the belly of a man shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips. The belly of a man shall be satisfied. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. Not Samuel. You won't find Samuel in Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 
20 to 21, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. What is coming out of your mouth is what is going to fill your life. This is why you need to be careful what you say with your mouth. Your confession, your affirmation. I am healed, I'm blessed, I'm favored. That's what you should say. Not I'm sick, I'm tired, I'm hungry. Well, hungry, if you're hungry, that's why I go and get food. (laughs) But don't say that you're mad. I'm mad at you. You will not run mad in Jesus' name. I can't remember the last time I ever said that in my life. I don't want to ever be mad. It's not nice to be mad. To have neurosis or psychosis is not nice. Let me give you a piece of my mind. If you give a piece out of your mind, your mind is not whole anymore. I'm going to be frank with you. That's fine. You don't need to use negative to describe yourself. Because you do, I'm, I'm really angry. I want them to feel the depth of my anger, Pastor. I want that to know I'm mad. No, you're not mad in the name of Jesus. You're angry, you're upset, you're exasperated. Those are nice words to still portray your emotion. Don't say you're mad. Are you with me? In verse 21, it says, Death, he could the dead go. And life, he are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. May you eat good food from your mouth. Why don't you speak words into your future? Why don't you say I'm blessed? Why don't you say I'm rich? Why don't you say I'm a blessing? I'm a blessing. I'm a landlord. I won't die a tenant. I'm a Mercedes in the name of Jesus. I desired it when I was young. I desired to own a Mercedes. It looked as if it wasn't going to come. My father rode a Vespa, never bought a car. But I desired. The first one is here. Many more to come. So speak what you want. Don't, don't envy me. Don't fight me. You know some people fight you because of your confession. Kill a you know? Bless and highly favored. You, you can say you are cursed and disfavored. But me, I will say, I'm blessed and highly favored. And I will say it every day. Are you with me, church? A man's belly shall be filled with the fruit of his lips. You might live in the ghetto today. You live in the palace tomorrow. Because God will elevate you. Can I have an amen to that? Uh-uh, let the brother of low estate rejoice in that he is exalted. God will exalt you. God will lift up the, is the glory and the lifter up of your head. He will lift up your head. If you are born again, let that amen be born again. That, the mouth of that man was loose and the, ma- the mouth killed him. People die before they die. Nothing just happens. His mouth killed him. He died in the realm of the spirit. Elijah said you will see it with your eyes, but your mouth will not taste it. He died the previous day in the realm of the spirit. Elijah already pronounced him dead, and God honored the words of his servant. When you get home, read Isaiah 44, 24 to 26. See God's resume. God always honors the words of his servant. That's one thing that I'm, I'm afraid of in serving God and in relating to men of God. I, I told my senior pastor one time when somebody was misbehaving in his office, the man was just really misbehaving. He was rendering a service to the senior pastor in the capacity of a driver. And I, I, I cautioned the man, much older than me, but I cautioned him. I said, sir, in Yoruba language, they say, I'm close to the king with six steps. That's what it means, literally. I'm farther from the king with seven steps. Senior pastor says, so you know that, Fred? I said, sir, I know that. He said, you this small boy? I said, yes, sir. 
We were so close one time that I used to go to his house every week to play table tennis. I never allowed my mouth to say nonsense. What? You know when you play football, you watch football with all these small small boys. She me no lasses in it. No honor, nothing. In the name of sports. You see them there. I grew up there. I grew up in the hood, so I know. I'm a shell. She are you with me, church? God honors the words of his servant. When you go, go close to them, don't be too familiar. So you don't use your head to carry. Don't carry one. Don't carry one. Cobwebs. <laughs> you get on the wrong side of a man of God. The thing that comes out, you might not like it. And it stays. Because God honors the word of his servant. The man provoked Elijah. Elijah said, you will see with your eyes, your man will not eat it. The Bible says it came to pass, not even according to the word of the Lord. He said, according to the word of Elijah. Number four, never limit God. No book in the world is voluminous enough to chronicle the power of God. No human mind is complex enough to accommodate all he can do. No AI. These are the days of AI. Those of you with very beautiful AI pictures, God will have mercy on you. No AI is smart enough to mimic or summarize God. He was before the beginning. He is now and he will reign forever. Can I have an amen? No one voted him in. Nobody can vote him out. He sits upon the circles of the earth according to Isaiah 40 verse 22. He sits upon the flood as king forever according to Psalm 29 verse 10. David said, that which you give we gather. Psalm 104 from verse 24 to 30. John the Baptist said, God could raise children from storms. Matthew 3 and verse 9. Paul the apostle said in Ephesians 3.20, and now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's why you should come tomorrow, 3 to 5, to pray, to pray the power that works in you. What God will do in your life is exceeding abundantly, but to be according to the power that works in you. And you stir up that power by praying the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul said, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you have enough sufficiency in all things, but abound to every good work. One day, there was extreme poverty in Samaria. The next day, there was extreme prosperity. It was so extreme, they were selling good food for cheap. A measure of fine flour, one shekel. Everybody could afford one shekel. Every household, they went to buy. They could afford it. Extreme prosperity. The God that turns extreme poverty into extreme prosperity. As I was going through my ordeal last year, in my very dark moment, I had the Holy Ghost say to me, He said, where there is unimaginable pain, there will be unquantifiable gain. I wrote it down. Never had anybody preach it. He told me direct. I wrote it down. So don't worry. If you are going through extreme poverty now, God is preparing you for extreme prosperity. Now, you, are, you, you, you may be struggling financially. They don't care about you. They don't put you on social media. They don't drag you. But the moment God starts blessing you, all hell is let loose. And hey, don't dance to their tune. Can I have an amen? Don't dance to their tune. God is a powerful God. Never limit 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 God. The man that doubted God was gone. The people enjoyed abundance behind him. He died a shameful death. God is not your mate. He says he wants to do something. You say, how can he do it? He doesn't need your, 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 
your validation. The senators of Nigeria and the powers that be should know this. They should know that God is not their mate. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It cuts with precision. It never misses its target. 24 hours later, after Elisha spoke, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, two measures of barley sold for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The gate of Samaria. The precise place. The land borders were opened again for commercial activities. The enemies had fled for their dear lives. Exact amount, exact time, exact place. Number five, which is the last. Never write anyone off. Never you write anyone off. When you are coming to church next week, bring your, bring your iPad to write. Bring your, your jotter and pen. Write. Write something. I know you are smart, but write. But in your writing, don't write anybody off. Glory be to God. God chose the most incredible vessels. The four lepers that have been banished from town. God can use anybody. I will stop here. 11.25 now. I will stop here. I thought I will make it a one-off message. But I will take it off from there next week. Stand on your feet everybody. Next week I will explain to you the process. We have read the story. We have seen some lessons there. But I will show you the, I will explain the process. I want you to know that angels were involved in this also. Let the ushers bring the communion materials as we settle February before the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? Three people blessed? Three people were blessed? Were you blessed this morning? Are you going to join the camp of those who make things happen? Or those who watch helplessly? Or those who criticize those who make things happen? What category do you want to belong to? Make things happen. Make things happen. Make things happen. If you are sick in your body, you can make the healing happen. Because as for God, your healing is settled already. If you are struggling financially, you can make the abundance happen by cooperating with God. That's all you need to do. Cooperate with God. If you are struggling with your academics, God wants to give you ideas. Ideas on how to rise from the bottom of the class to being the top of the class. Those of you that are business people, you're struggling with your business. God knows where the breakthrough is. All you need to do is to cooperate with Him. Father, we approach your table with reverence this morning in our hearts. And I ask, Lord, that your super will come on this natural. That as we partake of this, everything Christ paid for, the finished works of Christ on the cross of Calvary will be made manifest in our lives. Spirit, soul, and body. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus.